primary concern for, for true worshipers is the, in, the intent of their hearts and not the location of their bodies, right? In fact, Jesus sort of left this lady a little bit sort of dumbfounded when he made this proclamation that God is spirit and those who worship, uh, worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, right? Richard Foster, who wrote Celebration of Discipline, which we have three copies here if you want a free copy. Amen, take it. I got all three up here. Um, but good, good book. It's a good book for like, a, you know, to teach you some disciplines of the faith, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But he says this. He says, worship is our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. It's exactly what we've been saying throughout this whole series, right? Its central reality is found in spirit and truth. It's kindled only when the spirit of God touches human spirits, right? So that's when worship occurs. And then he says this, and I love this, and I really want you to think about this. Forms and rituals don't produce worship, nor does the disuse of forms and rituals. Now realize, you cannot worship without a form and a ritual. They are a part of our lives. And uh, then he continues, we can use all the right techniques and methods. We can have the best possible liturgy. But we haven't worshipped the Lord until the Spirit touches the Spirit, right? Amen to that. I spoke with a young woman this week who has a strong aversion to church. Uh, she, she was introduced to me by a friend, and he said, you should go to his church. You would love his church. And uh, it's not because she's not a Christian. She's actually very much in love with Jesus. She, she's a Christian. But it's because she grew up in a very legalistic uh, church. It, you know, she had to go to church uh, on Sundays three times for hours at an, on, on end. Um, she ha had to wear a dress uh, all the time. She could never wear pants or anything like that, stuff like that. She was ju just really controlling. They went, you know, a couple other times during the week and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And if you missed, you were in trouble and all that stuff. So, um, so they, they put way too much <laughs> weight on the forms of worship rather than the heart of worship, didn't they? And it's unfortunate that now she has this real difficulty to find a church since little things trigger her so much. Like she might come here and she might hear a song that they sang and it's the same song, right? But it triggers her because it reminds her of that. And that's, that's so sad to me. It really is. Um, but church leadership, I think, has to strive towards this art of worship, right, that we're, we're, which is to provide freedom within structure, right? So, so it's like freedom within structure that is bolstered and guided by good teaching and practice, right? So imagine your life of worship like an expansive tract of land, like, like a giant national park, because I love national parks, like, like a national park the size of America, right, which you couldn't fully explore your whole life. You couldn't walk that, that thing, your, you, you know, in, your, in a lifetime, right? And that expanse of, of land, that giant national park is fenced in to keep us from wandering off of God's land or God's property and to protect us from the dangers beyond it, right? Now imagine all the different plants and fruit and places and rocks and streams and rivers and lakes and, you know, sunrises and sunsets are all these forms of worship which connect us to the divine, right? 
And we, tend to, we would tend to camp in one area. We might find a stream or a river or a lake we, we really like, and, and we like this, this sort of flora and fauna of this area. So we, we put our, our tent stakes into a certain place where we're really comfortable. We stay there. But weekends, you know, the, you know, all this, we could still explore. We could still leave that area and go hiking for hundreds of miles and explore all different signs and forms of worship, all the different sites and experiences that are out there. For instance, you might, you know, at Christmas or, you know, some other holiday, you might go to your parents' church, right? And that might be some old church out in the, you know, whatever. And, and you, go, you go out there, and, and they, they, they sing hymns, and everybody's in a suit and tie, and they have an organ playing, some little blue-haired old lady, you know, doing, the, doing her thing, right? And, it's, and maybe it's really liturgical and all that kind of stuff. Very different than, than uh, here. Now, if you, uh, let me say something about that, that kind of a church. I can worship there. Uh, we were just in Montana not too long ago, and worship was great. But it was different than here. If you ever experienced the morning service at Church of the Savior in Wayne, I used to pastor there. And uh, Ron Matthews, I'm, I don't think he's leading it there still. I think he's president of Eastern now. But um, he, he would lead the morning services. He, he's, the guy was brilliant, brilliant musician. And you could not desi- deny that that was great worship. You may not like singing hymns, and you might not like the organ and all that kind of sound. But it was great worship, but it's very different than what, what Natalie does for us here, right? Kim and I worship when we backpack, maybe more, more than any other time. I know that some of you write songs and poetry to worship. I have a rule of life. It's a page on my computer. It's one page uh, that's called a rule of life or this rhythm of spirituality, right, that I try to keep in order to foster uh, a lifestyle of worship and intimacy with God. I'm not always good at it, or, or every point on it, but it's broken down in th- into things that I do daily and weekly and even bi-yearly and then yearly, monthly and bi-yearly and yearly. And it includes things like this. Uh, no computer or phone. This, is, this one I don't do too well. <laughs> no computer or phone for the first two hours after you wake up, and that has to include one hour of quiet time and prayer and worship time. The computer sometimes gets turned off. But um, <laughs> I was actually, I went through this with somebody the other day, and I, I was really actually imp- glad, I, I was going to say impressed, but glad that I, there was only a couple things that I'm not doing well. Uh, in that time, I recite both the Shema and the Lord's Prayer. Uh, social mu- media, oh, social media. Social media, it is social media, isn't it? No, social media is only wor- used for work. I am prayerful throughout the day for opportunities and people that I'm confronted with. I listen to worship in my car or at home. (laughs) But we have an electrician, so I don't want her to hear me. But um, I read a chapter uh, uh, of something inspiring, something that is spiritually uplifting. Uh, I walk nightly alone, and I sit on a bench in the college, and I pray. And I've been focusing those prayers on gratitude, what, I'm, what am I grateful for? And it's changed me doing that, uh, by the way. Um, I have a nightly examine question where I, I ask, what, where did the Holy Spirit lead me and meet me throughout my day? And then I recite the Shema again before I go to sleep. And then weekly, 
Uh, this one I don't always do too well. Monday is supposed to be my Sabbath dis disconnect day, and some of you know that I don't always do that that well. Um, corporate worship. Sunday mornings, I don't care that I'm a pastor. I would be here if I wasn't a pastor. Every Sunday morning, this is an important moment, right? So I would be here. Uh, Wednesday night's com community groups, I do not miss that. And I, again, not because I'm pastor, be because I'm a part of a church, I come to it. Uh, I have a phone call with a good Christian friend uh, from far away, uh, somebody that's not connected with my church that I talk through things with. Um, I do men's breakfast every Friday morning. We, we, we did do it on Thursdays, but now we switch it to Fridays. Every Friday morning, I don't miss that because that's my point of connection with a lot of these guys. Uh, monthly, I have a spiritual direction appointment, one hour where I sit with a guy named Bill Elander from Connecticut, and he listens to all my woes and whatever as a pastor and a Christian, and he helps me to, to hear the voice of God in my life. Where, where is God leading me? Where is he taking me? Uh, biannually, I take uh, short backpacking trips, um, a, a night, a couple nights, someplace, you know, 20 miles, 30 miles, whatever. And then uh, annually, I try to do a longer backpacking trip. I, I like to go at least 100 miles, if not a couple hundred miles. Um, family vacation, mucho important, muy importante, maybe that's correct. Anyway, but uh, uh, Vineyard National and or Regional Conference, which I'm going to in a week or two, um, and one other conference or spiritual retreat I do, and then I have a men's retreat. If we have a men's retreat, I go on it, or if I can go to a different one, I, I go to that. And you know, again, I'm not perfect at this list, but at least it's intentionally on paper, you know, and I try to do, do stuff. You know, some of you like to use the Lectio Divina model, which is this ancient practice of holy reading as a spiritual sort of discipline. Some of you hate it. <laughs> I know, I know, I can see you right now, who, ha who hates it. And that's, that's great if you hate it. Some of you love it, some of you hate it. We have a book in the back, well, usually it's in the back, it's right up here right now. It's called Spiritual Disciplines ha Handbook, right? And some people have found that to be really helpful. Um, Chuck seems to worship, uh, Mr. Beard back there, seems to worship uh, by learning. He learns more and more and more about archaeology and history and, and how those things do nothing but uphold the biblical narrative. He loves to tell you that on every archaeological dig in the Middle East, they have one book on site, and it is the Holy Bible. And uh, they check everything against it. He gets very excited talking about it, and it's, and it's uplifting to me to hear him say it, right? The Christies seem to worship by giving back. They just serve people like crazy. If anybody knows Donna, you, you know that. You know that to be true, right? And, uh, you know, we cannot uh, diminish the value of our spiritual disciplines in life, but they need to be put into proper perspective, right? And as my wife likes to say, they need to be switched up at times to keep fresh, right? But our, our forms of worship are like, you know, they're like a container that we offer up our worship to God, right? That, that connection is what we're really looking for. And we should be aware that there are more than a few imperatives or more than a few commands uh, in the New Testament that it gives us. Uh, anybody got a guess at how many there are imperatives in the New Testament? Things that you have to do? 1,050. 1,050 to be exact, which all play into our lifestyle of worship, right? 
and I can't list them all here, but they do range from not giving up meeting together, right? Uh, since there's something about our, our, our corporate worship that goes beyond the personal and can only be achieved within community with each other, we're urged to practice the breaking of bread together, which we're going to do later, and or communion together, if you want to call it that. Uh, we're, we're called to be baptized. If we make a decision to follow Christ, we're called to, we're called to be baptized. Not that there's any magic in it, but th- it is a public declaration of my faith in Christ. We're called to continually repent and confess to one another. We're called to think on certain things and not other things and encourage one another and build each other up and, and to pray for our enemies and all kinds of things in the New Testament. We always think of those things as the Old Testament stuff, but there's lots in the New Testament that, that gives us direction on how to worship, right? Jesus' instruction to this woman about admitting her need, right, in verse 10, being honest about her situation in verses 16 through 18, and then accepting God's gift, verses 21 through 25, leads to her willingness to tell others, which we didn't read, verses 39 to 40, 42. She just goes out in excitement and starts telling all these people. So it all, all that points to this all-encompassing gratitude from her that is expressed in worship. Her lifestyle of worship has just started, Right? If we're to worship as God intends, we must be willing to discipline ourselves to hear from God. And there are many disciplines which aid in this process. Personal disciplines such as prayer and Bible study and fasting and meditation and corporate worship and confession and service and giving and solitude and all kinds of things. And they all help us to more effectively uh, direct ourselves towards God and worship, right? And sometimes the best way to worship is just to sit and set your mind on, on uh, to, to worship um, by focusing on the person of God. And as we focus on the person of God, we're invited to, to consider the work of Christ, right? That automatically comes into play. And then when we consider the person of Jesus, we are drawn into what it means to, able, to be able to worship him. You can't help but to be grateful and to say thank you when you really start considering those things. Uh, If I don't mispronounce her name, but uh, Brooke Ligertwood (laughs) wrote the song, What a Beautiful Name, which we're going to sing later, to celebrate Jesus and his work of redemption. And I I thought her little video was good in her explanation, right? But she just talks about how, you know, she wrote this song as just, you know, what I would say is this expression of grateful worship, right? So like this Samaritan woman, but uh, so like this Samaritan (laughs) woman, um, the Holy Spirit will guide us into worship, right? When we are humble and when we're honest and when we're we're intentional with him. Uh, You know, she listened. She accepted what he said. uh, And that all translated to sort of a transformation in her life. There you go. I love worshiping with the vineyard pastors. And all you guys aren't even in here. Because we let it all hang out. And they, man, these guys sing like crazy. And I think it's because they're just, the crap is beaten out of them all the time. And they just want Jesus, right? It's just so much fun. Like if you're sitting in a small, you know how you sit in small rooms and people are like, you just worship me. You're like, oh, well, this is not going to go well. You know, <laughs> and like one person's singing, everybody's else is going, that's not how it is at a vineyard pastor meeting. There might be five of us or 12 of us, whatever, but it is loud. They just let it go. So 
go Brooke. Good, good job in the song. Good looking, great accent, loves Jesus, talented. Don't you hate her? Yeah. I'm just kidding. Good job. So, uh, but this woman, the Samaritan woman, listened to Jesus, right? She accepted what he said. She owned it. And it all translated into this transformation of her life that led to this immediate gratitude that just overflowed the gospel to all the people in that town. Right? She went back and said, come see the guy that told me everything I've ever done. Right? If we're to worship God in spirit and in truth, then we must be willing to allow him uh, to examine our, you know, we, we, we examine ourselves, first of all, while considering his majesty. And, and sometimes that worship will be a great celebration and a joy and a mystery. And other times it's going to be times of repentance and sadness and even loss. But it's still worship. Hard times are still worshipful times. When we worship God in spirit and truth, we're inviting God to examine us, right? To, to look us over while we trust him with the care of our souls in this, this very vulnerable state. To worship in spirit and truth is to worship God through Christ the and the complete scriptures which speak of him. Worshiping God from our hearts and doing so with others as they learn to worship uh, help us to find a deeper understanding of how we are really built as human beings. Your homework. You got homework to do. Your homework today is to write your own rule of life. Right? Go home, get one piece of paper. It doesn't, it should not be long, by the way. And answer the question What will you do daily, weekly, monthly, yearly to connect with God and to worship God? And what, in other words, what will be your rhythm of daily, grateful, all encompassing worship in your life? And I would say a couple things about that. Make it doable. Don't make it so long and lengthy that you'll never do it. Make it life-giving. You know, like I got backpacking on my list because that's life-giving to me, right? Um, include both personal things and corporate things. And I'm as your pastor, I'm saying really clearly, it should be this. Sunday morning should be on that list. Wednesday night, if you can make it. I realize some people just can't make it. If you can make it Wednesday night, it should be on that list, right? So make it doable, make it life-giving, make it both personal and corporate in your action points. And if you need an example to look at, you can look it up tomorrow on uh, the website. Just download the sermon, and my is, mine is printed right in the middle of the sermon. Just scroll down until you find it. So, But it's called a rule of life or a spiritual rhythm, whatever you want to call it, and it's, it's something that's really, really helpful. Let me pray for us as we uh, have Natalie come back up. Father, we thank you for today, and um, we're going to sing, and then we want to come and celebrate your table together. And we ask that you would embody that time, that you would be glorified in it, and you would also lead us deeper into uh, a sense of worship, both in our communion with you in spirit, but also our understanding of what you're, what you're saying to us and how you're leading us. We love you so much, and in this day and age, when faith is becoming much more real, we ask that you would give us all that we need to 
stand up under it and pray for yourself. Amen.